So now we had a Fed meeting yesterday. So let's talk about what happened yesterday. So the Fed got together yesterday. They meet almost every month. And they had some stuff they wanted to talk about. So um, yesterday, they did not increase the Fed funds rate. So they did not raise rates for, for our target audience of consumers. They did not raise rates yesterday. However, they did have tough, what we call hawkish rhetoric um, in both their statement and in Fed Chair Powell's press conference, even though he was a little less tough. So basically, the Fed members, they say two things at the same time. And we'll skip down into this bottom point that makes the same point. They say, one, they're going to go meeting by meeting and look at the data. The other thing they say is they make a projection. They say, hey, we're going to look at the data. We're not going to make any. Today, we're just going to hold and wait. But here's what we think might happen. What they said yesterday is they said, we think we'll probably have to raise one more time. And we think instead of cutting four times next year, we're probably only going to cut, only going to cut rates twice. The bond market did not like that. So we are now looking at rates uh, that were not as attractive um, as they were the day before. So there's some challenges here in, in our market and, and, and what we have to see. Um, some things that keep pushing up inflation data. So inflation has come down, but it's really actually lower today than, than is being shown. Um, a big component of inflation is shelter, right? And, and that makes logical sense if you think about it. What do you spend on housing? Most of us spend a lot of our income on housing. So we weight that heavier as the impact on the consumer. The way that shelter is measured is, is there's a lag involved, okay? So the way they do this is they look at current, they, they call people and they ask them one of two questions. One, are you renting? And if you are, what are you paying in rent? Well, if you think about that, what you're paying in rent you signed that lease a year ago, six months ago, nine months ago. You did not sign it yesterday. So you're looking at data that's a little older than it ought to be, okay? The other thing is, the other question they ask is, they ask, is there, um, if you own your home, what would you rent it for? So literally, they'll, they'll call up Leland. Hey, Leland, do you own your home? Yeah, I own my home. Um, what would you rent it for? Leland, Leland's a realtor, so he's got a pretty good idea of what he could rent his house for. But they may call somebody like me. I'm not a realtor. I'm not super familiar on rents in the market. I don't know. I'm just going to throw out a number. And it's going to be a high one, I would hope, you know, because I'm I'm thinking the rental market is super hot. So there's several things that we're seeing that um that are that are interesting as far as lags and shelter go. Um the next thing that the Fed needs to see, so here's here's another thing the Fed said yesterday in their meeting that's really important. They want to see the job market start to soften. So this is what drives inflation lower. Um, it's ugly and it's unfortunate, but either one of three things, the, the least impactful is job openings. So there's less jobs out there. Uh, if we go from 1,000 job openings to 300 job openings, that slows down the job market um, and it slows down price pressure. If you think about this, here's here's what happens, especially when you have a lot of people competing for labor and you have the prices of things going up, you tend to um, have to raise your wages to attract talent, okay? 
And so if you if if the price of things are going up and so you have to raise your wages to attract talent, then that extra wage dollar goes to drive prices even higher. They call this the price wage spiral, and it's something the Fed's trying to get away from. We do see the job market softening. There's a lot of numbers on this. Pay attention to this first number. We'll make it really simple. Um, these are these are additional jobs added from January to today. So we added 517,000 in January. Look at the trend downward, 300, 236, 253, 339, 209, 187, 187. So the job market is starting to soften, which is something that we need to see. This shows job openings and labor turnover. So this is that job openings number I was talking about. We're seeing that start to soften. So we are seeing jobs start to soften, which um, will compel the, the Fed when they see things happen to start to slow down. Here's the really good news for us in real estate. Real estate is extraordinarily resilient. And now we have a year of data to look at this, right? So we had median prices in the Knoxville area went up over 7% over the past year with record high mortgage rates. So we were saying this last year, we were saying home values would remain strong, demographics were our friend, uh, lack of supply is our friend as far as values goes. We know it's not our friend as far as transactions go. We said this would happen. Um, and we're now we have a year of data to point back to. So here's why. And this is something that I think would be valuable for you to share with your consumers, uh, with your buyers here. Everybody wants to sh compare a real estate slowdown to 2008, right? And what we have been saying from the beginning is this is extraordinarily different than the real estate slowdown in 2008. So we have, in 2008, you had inventory of 4 million homes. And you had a population of 301 million. This is Americans in general, okay? So 4 million homes, 300, and this is active inventory, a population of 301 million. Today, you have a population of 335 million, an inventory of 1.1 million. And we'll go a little bit deeper into this uh, on the next slide, but it's important to note supply is what caused home values to drop in 08. We have the inverse problem right now and dramatically so, all right? Even further, if you look at real inventory, you have 1.1 million homes on the market, but 441 are already under contract. So really available, you have 669. And then beyond that, you think about uh, your builders that are posting um, a lot <laughs> with a picture of the house. It's not ready to move into, right? So the real inventory is actually even shorter um, than it shows to be. So let's talk for a second about what do we do about this? Well, I think that it's important to do a couple of things. One, I don't think you need to... Um, I don't think you need to do anything uh, based on what you hope might happen, okay? So what do we do uh, in a market when we don't know what the outcome might be? And let me make sure, I want to see that I'm sharing. I'm going to share this screen right here. All right. So what do we do about this? Well, here's what I think we do. I think we go on offense while the rest of the market recoils. 
and we give the market the truth. Okay. So I think the number one thing that we can be doing right now is we need to show homes to people who don't know they're looking for homes. That's one to many marketing. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, my wife and I, it's a Sunday afternoon. A friend of mine had a um, open house on Sunday. And um, he said, uh, it was on our way to my mother-in-law's house to go swimming. So we said, well, we'll um, ask Amanda. I was like, hey, do you want to pop into this open house and check it out? And she didn't know, she hadn't seen the house before, had no idea what it was. And um, it was, was kind of curious. It was right across the Loudoun County line, had some land, some things we were interested in. And so we pop into this house on the way over. My kids are with us. They're burning the place down. Um, and we, uh, we're walking through the house. I'm talking to David, the guy showing the house. And my kids are, you know, burning the place down. Wife's chasing them around. They end up downstairs in the basement. I'm walking through. And I walk down into the basement. And my wife, uh, I hear my wife tell my kids, and this could be daddy's office. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, daddy's not buying a house right now, right? Um, but what that means is, in fact, I am looking at houses. Um, mentally, don't really, I don't know. I'm not making a concerted effort. I'm not on anybody's drip campaign. Um, I, I'm just, I know that I'm looking for a house, right? Uh, so we need to show homes that people who don't know they're looking for a house can see. Social media is a great way to do that. But I think you just document what you're doing. You document your showings, you document your listings, you put it on social and get it in front of an audience that doesn't know. I bought many a car this way. Um, and if trend continues, I may end up buying a house this way. The second thing is you need to build an action-oriented marketing plan where your wins are completing the plan, not contracts or closes. That's going to be really important. Okay. So as we see transactions shrink, and as we see um, the market tighten, there we have to have wins in our day based upon the actions we take and not necessarily the outcomes. You have to be super action oriented. Um, and when you leave that day, you had a good day based on whether or not you completed the plan. We can help you build one of these. There's some really simple ideas around it. Uh, but this is how you build a big pipeline going into going into a market um, like we are probably going to see this winter. Third thing is you need to become the authority on current market trends in your area. So give people actionable insight. What does this mean for you? So what you're seeing a lot of right now is uh, canned stuff that we put on social, right? Like here's your market update for Knox County. And they'll say prices went up and um, that inventory's down or uh, days on market is longer or sellers are taking concessions. You have to tell your consumer what that means for them, okay? Because if you leave it to them, they're going to take it to something negative, all right? So if you leave it to your consumer, they're going to say, oh gosh, days on market are up. It looks like the real estate market's crashing or sellers are giving concessions. That's not a good thing, right? Like concession, that sounds bad. It's a good thing for buyers in the right opportunity, right? Um, and so you have to give them something actionable about the content that you're giving them. What? Tell them what you want them to get out of this 
content don't let their minds race to see what they think it is anyway, okay? Because they're not going to go to something positive. The third thing is give them the truth. There are huge opportunities in this market for both first-timers and step-up buyers, all right? So um, we... Uh, there was a speaker at a conference we were at a, a year ago and he was talking about the difference in what's true and the truth. And the example that I gave last year at a KAAR, which is now um, goes by a different name. Um, the example that I gave at that um, East Tennessee realtors function last year was um, what, you know, what's true is foreclosures are up from 2021. But the truth is, you couldn't foreclose on houses in 2021. There was a foreclosure moratorium. That's the whole truth, right? So we need to make sure that buyers understand the whole truth of what they're seeing in the market. And a big example of this is a lot of a lot of our local folks are really struggling. And, and that's not only locally here, but people moving here from out of state are having a really hard time um, with consumer debt. So I'm going to show you uh, another quick data point here. Um, this is the consumer savings rate. So this shows uh, how much people are saving and also their credit card balances. So we had credit card balances hit $1 trillion for the first time in history. That's $1 trillion. And then you see the consumer savings rate here. Trending towards an all-time low. This number is even worse now. Um, I'm interested to see this data. So consumers, you had a high at the at the peak. You had, you know, um, I want to say it was two trillion dollars at the peak of excess consumer savings after COVID. Why? This is the COVID period right here. Well, you got stimulus. There was nothing to buy. Uh, we got to keep our jobs thanks to PPP. A lot of people did, and so people just saved money and. Um, and so you saw consumer savings rate grow. Well, that number has now been depleted. So we had in March of this year, there was about $500 billion in excess savings. By May, that was down to $190 billion. And that's about a $100 billion a month run rate of cash burn. And so really beginning the month of September, consumers are just about out of savings. Another impactful piece, I don't have a slide to show this, but another impactful piece is that um, student loan payments start back in October. So we're seeing a lot of this. This Here's a quick actionable thing for you on this. Um, student loan payments start back in October. So on our pre-qualifications for the past three years, we have seen zero payments on student loans. And we have always applied a factor to that. So uh, depending on the loan program, um, you know, FHA and Freddie Mac are one half of 1% of the total balance. Uh, Fannie Mae's 1%. Uh, VA's got its own calculation. So we've always applied a factor to it against their debt to income, but now they have actual payments starting back. And in a lot of cases, um, those are actually can be lower if they're on an income-based repayment plan. But what we're doing right now is we're going back through our old pre-qualifications and we're trying to see, well, who has a, um, who has uh, a student loan balance that we pre-qualified based on one half of 1%, but now they have an actual payment, but you know what those payments are. So those are starting to hit in October as well. So you have a lot of things right now that are squeezing consumers. So a unique opportunity 
that you have to be looking for as a buyer to capitalize on is you have record equity in your house, right? So you have more equity in your house than you probably ever had. Um, yes, interest rates are higher. So if you think about it on a base level of just trading, uh, trading a payment for a payment, that's not an attractive deal for a buyer. They don't want to do that, right? So we have to get more creative than that. If we look at instead taking the equity in their home, looking at their entire balance sheet as a consumer, and paying off some of that consumer debt that they're laden with, these $1 trillion in credit card debt or term loans to pay them off, or many of these, even the term loans are at 12 and 13%, credit cards are towards 30 Um you can take that money, pay off that debt, and either be cash flow neutral on the purchase of your new home or potentially cash flow positive, and you get to hit the reset button on your consumer debt. Think about this from a consumer perspective. And you know, we're realtors and lenders and we we are paid by commission. So we're used to our incomes fluctuating around. And sometimes you have a good month and you can pay some, you can pay some debt off. But your average consumer, that doesn't happen for them. So they have a salary and maybe a small bonus. And so the reality for them is there is no plan. Unless they go on a Dave Ramsey bender and rice and beans and deliver pizzas, and they're, they're going to be in debt forever. The only plan to get them out is capitalize on the equity in their home. The only way to use equity in your home without borrowing more money through a home equity line of credit or cash out refinance is to sell and buy a new one. So we're seeing a lot of these cases right now where people are able to literally hit the reset button on their consumer debt. And not only do they get the house they want, but now they are free from this consumer debt that was never going to go away other than through some dramatic action uh, outside of their own behavior. So I think we have a lot of opportunities in this market, guys. Um, Mortgage rates are, it's going to take something dramatic to happen, uh, in my opinion, for mortgage rates to go down swiftly. Um, most people right now are forecasting next year for rates to go down. Um, probably now the forecasts are more towards the second half of next year, but I, things can happen very fast. So the example that we talked about earlier is the three largest bank failures in U.S. history uh, happened about five business days in the month of March. So you had three banks that dropped in five business days. That was fast and it was impactful. When you look at um, other financial, I don't even want to say crises because I, I um, but I will, and I'll, I'll go back and say, well, I don't want to say that. If you look at other financial crises, they're a long time in the making, like what we've seen, and then they happen very swiftly. And you'll see quick intervention by the Federal Reserve in the way of dropping the Fed funds rate first and then buying security second, which will drive mortgage rates down. So I think that once the Fed starts to see jobs crack, they will ease up and the bond market will probably get ahead of them. Um, and that's probably our best case at what they call a soft landing is Fed starts to see jobs crack. They come out and say it publicly and jobs don't crack so fast that they can't reverse course. Um, and then our, but our best chance at a swift reversal 
would be um, another economic crises, if you will, uh, to occur. Now, let me go back and why I hesitate to say crises. Recessions are historically very good for housing. The only one that it was not good for housing was the one we just came out of, the great, well, not the one we just came out of, that was COVID, the great recession back in 08, and it was caused by housing. Okay, so historically, recessions bring interest rates down, housing values stay strong and inclined. And then even more so, being in East Tennessee, we're very insulated uh, from recessionary uh, pressures. So we have stable employment here, uh, super de desirable place to live. And so a recession would actually be very good for us in the real estate business. So rates are not going to be this high forever. The market can't bear it. There's a ton of corporate debt out there that's set to reset. Um, in 2024. And, and by that, I mean people that have taken out two, three, five-year uh, fixed rate commercial mortgages, that debt starts to reset um, in, in 2024. We've seen some of it this year. And so the, the Fed is going to be forced to take action probably sooner rather than later and get rates down. Um, and that'll help with affordability, which is our real crisis right now. I mean, the, the, the chart that I showed you before where you see population growth, it's huge. Um, but in Knox County, um, the median income can afford about 5% of houses uh, available in Knox County. So we have an affordability issue on top of that. So we have ways around that. Get your borrowers with us. Let's talk to them. Um, get your listing uh Get your listing prospects with us. So I think that where you're going to run into this more than not is you've got someone who's kind of curious. So, you know, they want to buy a new house, but they're hesitant to because of interest rates. Get them with us, um, you know, on a listing prospect. Let us take a look at their application, look at their other consumer debt and see what kinds of things we can um, we can do to help alleviate that cash flow. Does anybody have any questions about what we talked about today or um, interest rates, direction of things in the future or where we are now? Okay. Well, hey guys, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, follow up with us afterwards. Happy to talk more about what we're seeing and what we're doing. Um, our group, thank God, thanks to you, thanks to the smart people on this team, is faring very well in this market. Um, I think we've grown a lot as a group. We've gotten better at our trade. We got more creative and solved more problems for customers, which uh, in turn drives um, drives activity and revenue. So thank you guys so much for um, your support of us. And then let us know how we can help you. Again, I, I am a big believer in telling consumers the truth. So help us get in front of your people and tell them what's really going on. Um, and we can help them with affordability strategies. We can help them feel comfortable about buying in this market. Um, and we're glad to help. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you.